You're listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. The moon, the stars, and the tides are through lines, connecting us to the beginning of life on our planet. These lines can flicker in and out of awareness in the glare of modern culture. But there are ancient creatures living among us, for whom every breath is a reflection of the moon on the water. I watched meteor showers from the dark beach and swam in the moonlit ocean. With a stroke of my arm or the turn of a wave, bioluminescent creatures would shimmer through the sea. On a summer night, a loggerhead sea turtle returned to this beach. Her flippers swept the sand away in great arcs as she crawled to the dune line. There, she dug a flask, a deep nest in the sand, and laid a clutch of more than 100 round white eggs. Under the dome of the night sky, she covered the nest with sand and crawled slowly back into the ocean. Way back in another life, Jennifer Westerman worked as a ranger at a state park on the coast of Virginia. The park is on the southern tip of a barrier spit that juts out into the Atlantic Ocean. It's a pretty unique place because it's geographically isolated. There's no access by car, so you really have to be determined to get there. It's this incredible stretch of undeveloped coastline, and it's one of the few remaining spots that hasn't been developed. It's the ocean and dunes and American beach grass and sea oats. And, and I was fortunate enough to live in the park. So, um, you know, when you're out there and there are no visitors left anymore and you're alone on the beach, it's, it's a pretty unique feeling. I remember several nights when, and I have to say that you weren't actually allowed to be on the beach at night because the park closes at dusk. But because I I lived there, it was quite tempting to head out to the beach at night. There were many times when we took a blanket and went down to the beach and just laid back and looked at the sky and it was as black as ink and there were literally hundreds of thousands of stars. On one particular night there was a meteor shower and so a friend of mine and I went out onto the beach and sat and watched the the stars fall from the sky and and it was like rain. It was just one star after another. And it was just beautiful. One of the things that I remember is that there was always a wind. It would sting sometimes. It was quite salty. Even when the air was warm, it's, you could still feel it on your skin. And it, it would give you a bit of a chill. And it was so quiet there. It's just so quiet. Of course, there's the rhythm of the ocean in the background, but when you're there and you're focused on the stars, uh, it's almost as if that becomes sort of a, 
a background soundtrack to the night. I had many opportunities to swim at night. Again, I think this is something that I would not advise people to do. But, and probably something, you know, now that I'm older that I think was maybe foolish, but, but I honestly, I, I have no recollection of being afraid. I, I remember feeling small, as though the whole world was contained there and I was just a tiny part of it. And reflecting upon how, how vast and wild and unknown the ocean seemed to me at the time, but I don't remember being afraid. I never went far out into the ocean, but near the coast, we would occasionally get the bioluminescent plankton. It's beautiful, and it's sort of this blue-green shimmering on the surface of the sea, and when you have the white of the moonlight and the, and the dark inky sea and the occasional roll of the wave that's a little bit white from the moonlight. It was really quite stunning. It's more like the water reflects the stars in unison. It's not that there are individual stars reflected on the water, but that the light from the stars is sort of collected on the surface. And so once your eyes adjust, it's like a grainy, think of an old black and white film. And always the, the pulse and the rhythm. I remember the ocean feeling vast and incomprehensible but not spooky. Jennifer worked along with other rangers, traveling up and down the beach at night, looking for nesting sea turtles. They used flashlights covered with red cellophane so they could see without disturbing wildlife. During the summer months, we would patrol the beach and look for they're called scoots, so look for this pattern of where a sea turtle had come up from the sea. So we would look for the scoots, and then one night we actually found a turtle who was midway up the beach. She had come out of the ocean, and this is, now that I'm a mom, I'm just in of the tenacity of the <laughs> of these turtles because they pull these incredibly big bodies out of the ocean and you know they're so graceful when you see them swim in the ocean um, but on land they're sort of big and clumsy and their shell their carapace looks just it looks too big for them almost and it's kind of heart-shaped if you look at it from above, but when you're seeing them scoot from the side, it sort of looks like this overgrown trash can lid or something that's on the top of them. And, and, um, and their front flippers are large, and they're sort of this 
She was this reddish brown color and when we encountered her, she was moving slowly but deliberately up the beach and pushing herself with her front flippers. She would go a little bit and then stop and sort of almost, I don't know if, you, if you've seen a, a dog lie down and then it just kind of uh, sort of sighs and there was so much effort involved. And this takes a very long time. Watching her and watching her lay her eggs probably took at least a few hours. But I remember feeling that I could have sat there and just watched this for forever. What I remember most about her was just the deliberate nature of what she was doing. Just purposeful. First she did this shimmy almost, kind of a rocking back and forth. And then she began digging with her back flippers. So she dug the hole in which to lay her eggs with her back flippers. And that took quite a while. And then she starts to lay the eggs and the eggs look like they almost look like little round golf balls. And I didn't know it at the time when I was watching her. I, I was thinking golf ball, which is something that's hard. I was worried because they're dropping into this cavity that she's dug. But later I learned the eggs are quite flexible. A, a nest could average between 80 and 120 eggs. It's a pretty incredible process to watch because they just keep coming. <laughs> and then there's this funny thing that she did that is, is just this in, incredible uh, natural instinct to protect one's young, I guess. After she finished laying the eggs, she begins to bury them and she started looking like something was wrong with her. She started taking her front flippers and sort of wildly moving them back and forth in the sand and flinging sand in every direction and she had sand all over her back and her head and so she was disguising the nest from predators and then she just carries on and heads back out to the sea it's sort of a lumbering clumsy walk awkward sort of scoot push back out to the sea and away she goes and she doesn't ever come back to tend that nest. Jennifer and her fellow park rangers contacted the scientists who were charged with moving the turtle nest to protect it from predators and human interference, a practice which is now mostly out of date. And while they waited and watched, Jennifer was overcome by strong emotions. Well, I felt pure joy. I don't, I mean, if you've ever felt just pure joy at seeing something, um, that's what I was feeling. I wanted to laugh because it was so incredible. We were trying very hard not to make noise and not, and to be, you know, to be quiet and to let her do her work. And we were, we just stood there <laughs> and watched. And I remember just being sort of transfixed at what I was seeing because this night had been, you know, 25, 30 years in the making. 
It takes the turtles up to 30 years to reach maturity and be ready to make their own nests. And when it's time, they set a course for their original home. They make their way back to the same beach where they were born to lay their own eggs. And so this turtle that I was watching in my early 20s, let's say that she survived, she is due to come back when I'm in my early 50s and lay her eggs. Much of what happens in those intervening years is unknown. The turtles float near the surface of the water, absorbing warmth from the sun. They venture thousands of miles away, living in seaweed masses and drifting with the Gulf Stream. And they do what turtles do. How they spend their everyday lives is really still a mystery. What's not a mystery is that only one in a thousand hatchlings will survive to make the journey back to that beach, to lay her eggs, and to complete the cycle. There are a hundred ways for it to go wrong. For the fragile, steady rhythm of the waves and the moon and the turtles to be interrupted. It was a cool night when we sent the hatchlings home. They were ancient sea turtles in exact miniature, smaller than the palm of my hand, bigger than the palm of my daughter's hand. We carefully lifted the hatchlings from their coolers and placed them on the sand. With what seemed like an impossible instinct, these wee little beings headed straight for the ocean, now part of the 150 million year story of sea turtles. Undaunted by the crash of waves or the tide's pull, the hatchlings followed the moonlight and starlight reflected off the ocean and dove in unhesitatingly. Their infant flippers would swim nonstop until they reached the Sargasso Sea, where they would drift and grow for many years suspended in their own amniotic sea. We stood on the dark beach and sent up our hopes for their survival to the stars. When the hatchlings are ready to leave the nest, they wait just beneath the surface of the sand until the air cools, which leads them to emerge most often at night. The night that the hatchlings were returned was a beautiful night. There was a bright moon. It was sort of a, a cool night. This is probably a couple months after the eggs were laid. Beyond where the waves were breaking, you could see a, a shimmering glow off the ocean of starlight and moonlight. The gathered humans lifted the hatchlings out of their vessel and gently placed them one by one onto the sand. The baby turtles were pulled almost magically toward the light. We created a sort of a little trail for them, just a foot or so wide, not very wide, with high sides made of sand so that they wouldn't veer off course and they all stay in it and just I mean they really just go right to the sea. They are this massive group of little tiny just incredibly small beings and they're all headed in the same direction and on this particular night the sea was calm when the waves were turning over, you know, to, to you and I, they would be somewhat gentle, you know, but to these guys, they were crashing. These waves were swallowing them whole when they went into the sea. 
and they did that undaunted. I mean, they headed toward that, that glow of the moonlight reflected on the water and the stars. There was no trepidation. There was no hesitation. It was this sort of march toward the ocean, but, but they're, they're, they're running. You know, they're running to the sea. They're running to go home, and they're so brave because the waves are so big, and I know there are sharks out there waiting to eat them and all kinds of other hazards, but there they go. As if they were being pulled out to the sea by some force that was invisible to all of us, but they recognized it and they knew it, even though, of course, they had never seen the sea before but they just head straight for it and don't look back. And then the waves just sweep over them and they're gone. This has been the way of sea turtles for more than a hundred million years. With the aid of instinct and sheer will, they make their way to and from home. It's definitely one of those moments where the world sort of comes into focus. And, and you realize just how mysterious and beautiful and powerful wild nature is. On the one hand, it's completely optimistic. It's them saying, this is what we do. And, <laughs> you know, here we are carrying on. But at the same time, I remember feeling a sense of sadness, actually, because I knew that many of them wouldn't make it, you know, wouldn't grow up, wouldn't become these big, beautiful, graceful turtles. When I saw the hatchlings, I, w I was thinking about the tenuous nature of life. I mean, I hope they would all make it. <laughs> and and, and maybe, maybe I'll go back in a few years and I'll, I'll wait and see if the one that I saw comes back. Nearly all sea turtles are endangered. Adults face perils from fishing nets, plastic that looks like food, and other human activity, in addition to natural predators like sharks. Hatchlings are drawn to the light of the moon and the stars and become disoriented by artificial human-made lights. They lose their way, become dehydrated, and are easy targets for predators like birds and raccoons. You can find more information about sea turtles, the challenges they face, and how you can help at nocturnpodcast.org. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Jennifer Westerman read an excerpt from her essay, Heart of the Sky, which was published in Let There Be Night, a collection of essays edited by Paul Bogard. You can find links to that and more at nocturnepodcast.org. Thank you to everyone who has supported Nocturne by rating and writing reviews on iTunes and by donating on Patreon. Also, we love your emails and tweets, so please keep them coming. If you'd like more information on how to help us pay the bills, you can go to nocturnepodcast.org and click on Donate at the top of the screen. And if you decide to support us that way, we have some treats for you.
Nocturne is a proud founding member of The Herd, an independent collective of sound-rich storytelling podcasts. Another great show from The Herd is First Day Back by Tally Abacassis. Hi, I'm Tally, and this is First Day Back, my podcast about getting back to work after the longest maternity leave ever. I'm a documentary filmmaker in Montreal and the mom of two boys. Do you, like, do I, when I work at home, is that work? When I'm, like, cleaning and cooking and stuff like that? Yeah, that's work, but it's not your job's work. I ran into my old producer the other day, and she said, Oh, but we wrote you off a long time ago. I don't think she was trying to crush my spirit. I actually think she was trying to let me off the hook. I thought your answer was going to be that mummy should stay with their kids all the time. Why? Well, just because I thought that's what you would prefer, to stay with me all the time. Well, I'm okay without you. Ouch. Find out more about First Day Back and the other shows from The Herd at theherdradio.com. That's H-E-A-R-D. Thanks for listening.